0: You're listening to the Down East Mike podcast, the quirky little podcast from Maine. And now, your host, Down
1: East Mike.
0: Dee 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 dee. Good morning everybody. This is Down East Mike of the world famous Down East Mike podcast, coming to you live from Down East Maine, where the sun is always shining. Everybody's always smiling. Things are always happy here. Actually, today we're in the midst of a big windstorm. Wind's up to 70 knots. No, 60 knots, 70 miles per hour down on the coast. We expect a lot of wind and rain. The wind is whipping right now. The rain's hitting pretty hard. But it's 54 degrees. It's December 18th. And, uh, you know, it's better than snow, I guess. You don't have to plow it or shovel it. This is... Down East Mike, episode 112, news and commentary for Monday, December 18th, 2023. Our motto here is, some of this is whimsy, some of it's true, and the interpretation of it all is entirely up to you. In today's episode, we have snow and sleet battering Maine. That was from 1970. Imagine that. Maine's high livability. It's drawing people like a magnet story from 1970. A cat jumps under a cow story from 1884. You don't want to miss that, because how often does a cat jump under a cow and make headlines? Illness of the instant, we might have to pause on that. Well, we'll see. We might have an illness of the instant. Maine's timely tree and much more today's podcast you know we're going to take a look at the actual uh the world headlines first thing today uh president biden's packed motorcade in wilmington delaware they got uh somebody got off track and ran into the side of one of the cars he was at a at a uh a speaking event or, or standing event as, as he has but uh And some car piled into the side of one of the cars in the motorcade. And the Secret Service jumped out with their guns and everything. And they trundled him off in in the uh, big Escalade. Uh, Nobody was hurt. And they don't have all the details. But it just looks like more or less like a malfunctioning car or a malfunctioning driver with no malicious intent there. Other world headlines... Uh, Israel finds a large tunnel near the Gaza border. That's not really news, is it? Not really surprising. Donald Trump quotes Vladimir Putin. That's going on still. Uh, North Korea's firing powerful long-range missiles after South Korea and the US meeting. They're like a bunch of high school students or something. Uh, Mexico-Texas trains are suspended from Monday amidst uh, the migrant surge. And what else in the world in international headlines? Well, actually, the storm in New England has made uh, international news. Powerful storms in the northeast threaten miserable morning commutes and widespread urban flooding. They forget about the rural flooding. That's actually where it's much worse. And uh, in the uh, main headlines, we'll see if there's anything of note there. We will check it out. Um, Man arrested after leading police on chase in Central Maine in stolen vehicle. That's kind of like a daily occurrence. Biddeford police are investigating an armed robbery. That sounds like, you know, you could just speculate they're just standing around and, huh, that's an armed robbery. This is a Maine news headline. Magnesium supplements might help you fall asleep better. Huh, hardly Maine news, is it? Man dies in an old town apartment fire. And fake bomb threats sent to Jewish places of worship in Maine. That's about it for the local headlines. So we're going to get to our. Uh, oh, we had a birthday. Happy birthday to Willis. Uh, Willis in Bath. He's 28 years old. He works at uh, BIW, he races stock cars. Uh, on the weekends in the in the summer and Willis is a great guy. Happy birthday. Illness of the incident hasn't really set in yet. So we're gonna we're gonna skip over that. Let's go look at uh, this day in nineteen seventy, uh, snow and sleet were battering Maine. And what has started to be a banner year for Maine's most notorious crop, snow, uh, a nor'easter swirled late into the state and stuck around all day, would have been the previous day, with 15 inches of snow. Uh, And I guess it was all throughout New England. It was a low-pressure system that traveled Wednesday up from the Carolinas, much like the rainstorm today, it took up residents off the coast of New England, and it bumped into a high-pressure system in the northwest part of of Maine, and the meeting of the two parameters of the two systems over Maine caused moisture from the low to combine with cold air from the high, making snow. Isn't that something? But there was a counterclockwise swirling of the low-pressure system, off Cape Cod, which drew warm air away from the Gulf Stream and pumped it around the portions of the New England coast, causing warmer temperatures and rain. So they had a mix of rain and snow. Uh, heavy snow originally had been forecast for Massachusetts, but they, uh, that turned into heavy rain there instead. Uh, Vermont, New Hampshire got snow Thursday morning. You just can't keep up with it, a weary snowplow operator in Vermont said. It's uh, only mid-December, and there's already no place to put it. 1970, lots and lots of snow happening. Uh, we had a story here. Maine serves as a magnet a little less than two years ago. Henry A. Butterfield, vice president of Diamond International, boy, does that sound like a CIA company, predicted that Bangor's high livability environment would draw out-of-state Corporations and people like a magnet. This is in 1970, and they're still drawing people like a magnet. Butterfield said that the local environment was a major factor in Diamond International's decision to build a $1 million computer center here, whatever a computer center is. Hundreds of employees in Diamond International's Manhattan office, in fact, put in for transfers when news of the company's Bangor plant leaked out. Butterfield told the local officials in April 1969. Diamond Internationals here and hundreds of out-of-staters from the big cities apparently are going to follow the uh, local Chamber of Commerce reports uh, an average of 30 to 35 inquiries a week from out-of-staters asking about Bangor and its environment. What's Bangor like anyway? What's it like up there? Well, it's cold. Uh, less than a year ago, the chamber got about four such letters a week. The tempo picked up to about 10 letters a week last May. And that was back when you wrote a letter. Most are from people who want to live and work in an area like Bangor. They want to know about the schools, employment opportunities, recreation facilities, and the cost of real estate. where you could buy a house cheap then. A lot of them come from large metropolitan areas. They say they are no longer happy bringing their children up in these areas. They want to move to a calm place like Bangor. Here's one letter here. Dear sir, I have been an Ohio resident all of my 39 years and I have had it. I need a change in Maine is what I am after, wrote a Cleveland couple with four children. A third year law student at Cornell University wants to know about local housing. Taxes and utilities because he plans to establish a private practice here after graduation. Levittown, Pennsylvania man, employed by Princeton University on an Atomic Energy Commission research project, indicated he's looking for job opportunities in the city after that program terminates next March. And there were a few oddball letters. One man living in Saudi Arabia wanted information on the airlines, and ground transportation service in Maine. He said such service is bad in Saudi Arabia. Uh, They had one other here, see, uh, a Fort Montgomery, New York woman asked Dowd to track down more details on a three and a half acre island she heard advertised for sale on a radio station in October. Dowd told the woman that Bangor is 50 miles from the coast and he suggested that she check with the attorney general's office before purchasing any such island. Some letters expressed a personal feeling for Bangor and its people based on past experiences. During our last two vacations here, my wife and I became acquainted with your beautiful state and its warm people. Doing some wishful thinking, we've often thought what a wonderful opportunity it would be to live and work and raise our two children in Maine. Isn't that nice? That was in 1970. Typical letter writer says uh, this writer wants a farmhouse with about 50 acres of land located 15 miles outside of Bangor, not more than 10 miles from the University of Maine with good water, good schools, and four bedrooms. And if the property is exactly what he wants, the guy is willing to pay up to $6,500. You couldn't get the survey for that. Here's an editorial from this day in 1970. Well, it's finally been settled. The U.S. Supreme Court ruled this week that the federal FDA, Food and Drug Administration, was within its rights in saying that peanut butter must contain at least 90% peanuts. This is hardly an earth-shaking decision. What's interesting is that it took the American Democratic process 10 years to settle the issue. That's right. Ten years. It was in nineteen sixty that the FDA order was issued and challenged by the peanut butter makers. Then ensued years of snail's pace litigation before it was determined that the jars of peanut butter on grocery store shelves should be at least ninety percent pure peanuts. The FDA doing as much back then in nineteen seventy as it is today. Ah, oh, we found a car for sale. It was a Datsun at Al Worcester & Sons, East Corinth in Millinocket. And it's a 1971. Come celebrate the 1971 Datsun. The best value in economy cars is even better in 1971. Come in and see what the Datsun gives you in 1971 that others still charge for. The four-door 510 gives you 96 horsepower overhead cam Engine, white wall tires, tinted glass, all uh, fully reclining bucket seat, nylon carpeting, safety front disc brakes, two speed electric windshield wipers. Dotson will make 1971 one of your best years. It is ours. Uh, Linehan Auto Sales had some 1970 leftovers. Brand new 1970 Ford Torino, $2,895. That was a Christmas special. It was a four-door hardtop with a V8 auto power steering blue with a blue matching interior. They had a brand new Ford LTD 1970, left over, mind you. That was $3,445, turquoise in color. A brand new 1970 Maverick Grabber, with six cylinders, standard transmission, and it was Hula Blue, 1995. And then they had a 1966 Ford Club Wagon. And that was a six cylinder standard, uh, eight passenger, two bucket seats up front, and two full size rear seats. Excellent for the large family. I don't remember those, Ford Club Wagon, but it looks like the VW bus is what it looks like. This was a good story. The FDA was banning toys as a hazard. The FDA said Friday, a week before Christmas, that it was banning four classes of toys from the market as hazardous, but it refused to identify them by brand name or say how they would be removed from the stores. This is like a headline from today. No list is going to be made available, an FDA spokesman said. Although he declined to say how many brand-name toys were involved, another source within the agency said 44 toys were subject to the ban and that others perhaps would be added later. The FDA said it's not releasing the brand names because some were marginal and they might be dropped from the list. Alvin Gottlieb, an FDA attorney, said the agency would notify manufacturers of the specific toys to be banned and instruct them, in turn, to notify stores. The agency would not even confirm that its ban covered three toys it named by brand November 14th when it first proposed to take them off the market, but the general descriptions seemed to match. Some of the classes include breakable toy rattles with parts which could puncture a child, Uh, Dolls and stuffed animals, which could break, exposing sharp parts. Noise-making toys with detachable components. uh, Caps or toy guns used without caps, which produced sound levels of 138 decibels or louder. In addition, the FDA ruled that lawn darts and similar sharp-pointed items cannot be sold as toys, but can be sold outside toy departments if labeled for adult use and warning against use by children. You remember lawn darts. They eventually had to ban those outright because they were so dangerous. Let's roll it all the way back to 1884. They were noting right around this time, the Washington Monument was completed, and it is 550 feet high, higher than the tallest of the pyramids of Egypt. 1884. Here's a story about our cow. A few days ago, Edward cadd of Dresden, while engaged in tilling the walls of an ice house at Cedar Grove, oh, that's not the cow story, that's okay. Edward cadd uh, was engaged in tilling the walls of an ice house at Cedar Grove, and he was precipitated more than 25 feet by the given way of the staging. In other words, he fell. He was seriously hurt, but is doing well. The ice shipments at Olas this season have been 52 vessels carrying about 40,000 tons. After filling its buildings this winter, the company intends to put up a large stock. The material for covering the stock is already on the spot. Uh, Mr. Philip Perveer of Sedgwick, turned 105 years old. So 1884, and he's born in 1780 or so. Isn't that something? Uh, news from all around, G.M. Blaine, en route from Maine to Portland, Oregon, reports that while passing through Wyoming, a thief entered the sleeper car and went through his clothes, getting away with $400 in money, his baggage check, and railroad ticket. That was a lot of money back then. Here's our cow story. All right, it's out of Dexter. A few nights ago, Miss Ada Abbott was assisting her father, Mr. Willard Abbott, about the milking when a cat jumped under the cow at which Miss Abbott was seated, which frightened the animal, causing her to jump in such a way that the young lady was thrown down under the cow which stood next to her, And before her father could rescue her, she had been trampled upon and kicked in a manner that resulted in serious, though it is hoped, not fatal injuries. And that's a report out of the Eastern State paper. At last accounts, she was suffering much, and it was feared her injuries were more serious than at first supposed. Cats and cows don't mix. A young man from Augusta, driving near East Reed Field one evening last week, was somewhat surprised to see what appeared to be a ball of fire before him about a quarter of mile distant. It began its course in a northeast direction of the celestial vault, and when nearing the earth became as large as a football and changed to a green hue, suddenly, just before reaching terra firma, it burst and disappeared from sight. So probably uh, just a baseball-sized bowl that exploded. Uh, last winter, Mr. E.V. Wheeler began, in a very small way, to clarify spruce gum for market, doing the work over his kitchen stove, says the Phillips phonograph. He has since enlarged his conveniences several times until he now has a vat ready for use that will prepare a barrel at a time. His largest shipments out of Portland but he also sends quantities to other cities, some of his goods going to Cincinnati and St. Louis. It's time for our timely tree, the Scotch pine, Pinus sylvestris. The Scotch pine is the most widely distributed pine in the world, but is not native to Maine. It's a native of northern Europe and Asia, but it grows naturally from Scotland almost to the Pacific Ocean and from above the Arctic Circle in Scandinavia to the Mediterranean. In parts of its native range the Scotch Pine grows to be a tall timber tree in dense stands. There are many strains of this species and the trees that have been planted in Maine often have very poor growth habits imagine chastising a tree for its poor growth habits this despite a uh, pluses susceptibility to snow porcupine and bird injury makes it undesirable for timber production here the scotch pine will grow on very poor soils some strains are planted for Christmas trees and it has been widely used in ornamental planting, plantings. The bark In the crown region of medium to large trees has conspicuous orange coloration. The lower bark of the mature trees is gray to red-brown and has irregular ridges and furrows. Leaves on the scotch pine are needles in clusters of two. They're one and a half to three inches long, stout, stiff, twisted, with dull blue-green with distinctive lines of stomata. The cones are one and a half to two inches long, and they're very numerous on the scotch pine. Even on comparatively young trees, the scales are armed with small, blunt spines. You don't want to lie down on them. The wood is similar in character to red pine. However, due to poor form in Maine, it's seldom used for lumber. It's occasionally used for pulp and fuel. Now as we were looking at that scotch pine we got a little bit off track and we started looking at the king pines when the the king said this has got to be my tree. Uh, In the mid-1600s the massive trees caught the attention of the British when they first arrived on the shores of New England. The king's men Coming from a country with depleted oak forests saw one thing when they looked at the tall pines in Maine. They saw mass for their navy. Mass in the days of the wooden ships played a far greater part in world affairs than merely that of supporting canvas. They were a vital necessity for the lives of nations. And that was from William Carlton in the 1939 New England Quarterly article. Canvas was easy to produce, but a tree worthy of becoming a mass took centuries to grow. Some British ships needed mass of 40 inches in diameter, which was a resource hard to come by in Europe. Before colonization, the British sourced their mass from the Baltic, but even those trees rarely topped 27-inch diameters. So the wars cut British off uh, access to the Baltic region in the 1650s. The King started looking at the new world. And he appointed a surveyor general who directed laborers to tramp into the woods and mark the trees with a diameter over 24 inches with a broad arrow, which was the official mark that denoted King's property and made it with three blows or a hatchet. I bet you couldn't find anybody who could do that today. This history is indicative of all-encompassing British claims of ownership of the land that belonged to native people. Uh, the lumbermen hustled these so called sticks down rivers and onto special longer decked boats to carry them across the sea. I don't think we have many pictures of that, do we? And if you were not uh, one of the king's men, uh, cutting down one of those trees would incur a hefty penalty, and it's a fact that fomented discontent among colonists in the years leading up to the revolution. Some New Englanders felled the king pines illegally and then spirited them through their sawmills to hide the evidence. According to Carlton, if you look under the roofs of many colonial houses, you'll see boards cut at 23 inches, which would put them just under the dimension that would reveal they came from a tree claimed by the king. Uh, We have one more story on this. Uh, They had a King's Riot. Uh, The trouble bubbled up around these pines. Some colonists bristled at British control of their resources, and their discontent spilled over into mobs and riots. The most dramatic example of this discontent was 1772's Pine Tree Riot in Ware, New Hampshire, over near Concord, which predated the Boston Tea Party by a year. The king's men caught a group of lumbermen with contraband logs, and the lumbermen retaliated by beating one of the men with long poles. They made him wish he had never heard of pine trees fit for masting for the Royal Navy, wrote historian William Little in a book about wear history. This revolt inspired the pine tree flag flown during the American Revolution and later adopted by New England secessionists and conservative groups alike, including some who stormed the United States Capitol in January. I did not know that. More than 250 years after the New Hampshire riot, a handful of the last trees marked with the king's broad arrow still stand tall in Maine's remote forest, or so some locals claim. No one can say for certain that there are no king pines left anywhere in the main woods, but experts are skeptical. That would be something to do. Go look for some king pines. Um, they typically have an upper age limit of 400 years. That's an old tree. Uh, so we are going to look at the weather and then we're going to, we're going to send you out the door. The weather for today... Right now it's 55 degrees. That's just crazy. There is a high wind warning for today, Uh, possibly a thunderstorm. We expect a patchy fog with a high near 56, windy with a southwest wind 15 to 20 miles per hour, increasing to 30 miles per hour in the afternoon. We're looking at wind gusts up to 55 miles per hour. The chance of precipitation is 100%. We expect 2 to 3 inches overall. Uh, For tonight, the rain likely before 1 a.m. with a chance of a shower or thunderstorm, 70% chance of rain. Uh, For Tuesday, partly sunny with a high near 45, south wind 5 to 10 miles per hour. And for Wednesday, sunny. Actually, we look out through the week. It's sunny and above freezing all week. So, not super winterish in the upcoming uh, weather forecast. Well, that's our podcast for today. I hope you enjoyed it. I know I did. And until next time, this is Down East Mike, wishing you and your loved ones have a day that is full of grace, love, and kindness. We'll
1: see you. Ten long years since I've been home. I took a breath and climbed the stairs to my room. All the pictures were there on the shelf. The past was there and it was mine, oh my. Yes, you can go home again, but you have to take Might have been. And they're the picture of my family. They looked so strong when they posed in their youth. And time has a way of wearing you down. How soon? might have been there the pitcher he stands with memories he carries no load there's only love on his mind but with that his life be so simple now he's caught in a tunnel swimming for life yes you can go home again but you have to take the pain yes you can go home again so hard to face what might have been They're the picture of me in my youth. The gaze is firm, the eyes clear and bright. So hard to recall those feelings of hope. And it hurts to. you have to take the pain. Oh, you can go home again. So hard to face what might